on the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There it is, Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your life have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the clubhouse. Yeah, g'day everybody. What a week of golf it has been. Welcome to the clubhouse. Julian Bayard and Mark Allen with you on one of the most extraordinary seven days of golf, Marco. How exciting was it? What a magnificent US Masters we saw last weekend. Yeah. Uh, welcome to you. Good to see you, Jules. And, you know, the dust has settled in the tournament from last week. Yep. The dust has settled. Mm-hmm. And I look back, yeah. it wasn't until four birdies in a row from Jordan Spieth where we started to get excited, I reckon. I, I think we heard last week, we heard on Tuesday that the greens were as hard and as fast as they normally are yep. for a Saturday at Augusta. So the rain that they were expecting didn't come. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the 66 that Jordan's shot that morning, uh, and usually Thursday morning is the easiest for time to play, not as much wind. That was the lowest score for the whole week. <laughs> After that afternoon, once the players in the afternoon got there, the golf course was, I'm not going to say unplayable, but silly stuff was happening, yep. real silly stuff, like the ball blowing into the water, um, some of the wind, and, and the way they set the golf course up. Uh, you know, the first three the first three days, it's a great tournament. You're excited when it's on. Yeah. But I like seeing birdies, mate. Yep. You know, the, the year before, Jordan Spieth shot 18 under par, which was a scoring record at Augusta. He actually got the 19 under par. He must have bogeyed something coming in. This tournament lends itself, I think, when it's best, for around, uh, I don't know, 15 under par mm-hmm. or 14 under par total, mm-hmm. I reckon really works. Yep. And then you set up that back nine on Sunday, and they did this week as well, last week as well. They set it up to where you can shoot 31 on the back nine, you can yeah. shoot a 32, you can you know, make a quadruple bogey. You know, <laughs> they set it up so that that is possible. And I reckon that's great. But I think the Masters people erred a little bit with the Greens so hard and so fast on the Tuesday. Um, you know, it was basically just who can hang on yeah. competition. So you weren't happy with it? So we I, haven't even mentioned Danny Will. Congratulations to him. Congratulations, Danny. So you weren't, you weren't overly pleased with the, oh, the I don't, tournament? I don't want it to be US Open. I don't want it to be, you know, there should be two weeks a year in my belief, anyway, yeah. where par's a good score. Yep. US Open and the British Open. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, you want to see how good these guys are. That That's my belief, anyway. I want to see how good they can play. At a golf course where they're tested, mind you. Mm. But to me, I, I just I don't like it when they're hanging on. Hanging on, hanging from. on, hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. What was four on the par was leading after three days yeah. at this joint? And they're talking about making it longer. I mean, what are they doing? Yeah. Are they Are they serious? I understand where you're coming from because those famous Augusta roars that you want to hear on the weekend, yep, they were there on the Sunday afternoon with the yep. hole-in-ones, the perfect pin placement on 16. Yep. Credit to them for that. Well done. Because it gave people a chance to attack the hole. Yep, absolutely. Perfect. What you want to see on that Sunday afternoon is players being able to come from two, yep. three, four shots back yep. and actually win the tournament. Yes. From and you knew that you knew that Jason Day, from an Australian point of view, was never going to be able to come back from where he was, it was going after to be nine holes. Very difficult because they just weren't able to score. It was. It would have been very difficult. Look, here's the thing: I've been there now eleven times. Yep. One point about Augusta that no one seems to get. Uh, we know it's a beautiful course. We know it's pretty. We know it's you know not a blade out of sight. We know it's a yep. fantastic tournament, rich in history. Blah 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 blah. The one thing people learn from Augusta 
is the acoustics of the joint. Yeah. When you actually get a good roar going, that adds, that's a whole new dimension. Now, for the first three days, we didn't have a roar. Yeah. Literally didn't have a roar. Now, when Jordan Spieth bogeyed on the fifth, and I want to talk about his bounce back in a tick. So he yep. bogeyed the fifth. Then he's gone birdie six, birdie seven, birdie eight. When he birdied nine, yep. Got to the roar was intense. Yep. And that's what that tournament's all about. For the first three days, it was cold. It was boring. <laughs> we admire their we, – we do. Everyone admires their play. But when you go to a sporting event such as this, you want to be entertained as well. Mm-hmm. Once you get through the front gates of Augusta and you have a look at the golf course, you go, wow, have a look at this joint. That's one thing. But you want to be amazed at the brilliance of the play. And even you know, with the windy conditions, I thought they could have moved some tees forward. Yep. Just moving forward. That's what mm-hmm. they normally do. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of people's perception when you go to a tournament, particularly with people who have been at the club for a long time and medal day is the big day and all the tees are, are, are way back as far as they can go, yeah. no matter what. But in professional events, it's very important the course setup is it's set up so the players can entertain. Yeah, we're seeing it in the AFL at the moment. Yeah. You know, the AFL people going around. The, people are loving yeah. the entertainment factor of the game. It's high scoring. It happens in golf too. Mm. When you go through the gates at Augusta, when you get up at four o'clock in the morning to watch a golf tournament, you want to be entertained. So I'm not going to say that it was a a bad tournament because the back nine was unbelievable. And to see Danny Willett do what he did, bogey free and everything else, and to see a player like Jordan lose his mind, we'll Mm -hmm. talk about his shot selection on the 12th and the Mm -hmm. tick as well, all that sort of stuff. Is interesting. Yeah. But I want more from my masters. Yeah, it's fair enough. It's fair enough. That's just me. Tend to agree with you, Marco. How about Jordan Spieth? Can we talk about this? Right. I, uh, Danny Willett. We'll get to Danny Willett. Second will. segment. Second we segment, we'll talk about him. We'll get so to him. If you're thinking, maybe talk about the winner, we'll get to that. We will. Yeah. Jordan Spieth. Yeah. His routine at majors is he's, he's Australian coach. Yeah. Uh, McCormack. <laughs> What's his name? Not Brendan McCormack. Ken. I'll think of it a tick. Uh, he turns up. And leaves on a Friday. Cameron McCormack. Yeah. Cameron turns up. He leaves on Friday. That's the return. Good yep. stuff. You know, once you're there on Friday, there's nothing much you can change. He told us that he flew him back on the Sunday. Back he comes. Back he came. Mm. When we watched him play on Saturday, he hit, hit some loose drives. So yep. we figured that, well, it must be having a look at his driver. Yep. But he told us in the car park after the tournament, this is Jordan Spieth yeah. speaking, he told us that he brought Cameron back because he wasn't feeling very good over his irons all week. In fact, when he was trying to fade the ball, the shot that we saw on the 12th is pretty much the shot that he had all week. I'm not sure how many Masters you've been watching, but when that pin is in its Sunday spot on the right-hand side, for 100 years, Mm -hmm. that's too many years, for 50 years, (laughs) we know that the winner, generally speaking, looks at that Sunday pin on the right-hand side and says, I'm not even looking at that thing. I'm going to move it out. He told us in the car park afterwards that he thought it was just an easy fade. There was no reason why he couldn't cozy it up next to the hole. Let's go even back. though, Sorry, even though he has felt terrible over the ball all week yep. with irons in his hand and his fade shot has been <laughs> not very good for the whole week, he still went for it. Let's go back seven days, Marco. What are you doing? When we were in 
this studio. Yep. We were talking about how good the Fox Sports coverage was in yes. all the previous tournaments. Yep. The day before uh, the Masters started, I watched a documentary on last year's tournament yeah. where they interviewed Jordan Spieth and they went through his final round. Yep. And he got to that 16th hole and they told him and they compared his shot from two years ago to last year. Right. Two years ago, he hit it in the water. The 16th or the 12th? The, uh, the 12th. 12th, yep. Yep. So he hit it in the water two years ago yep. and he said, this year I was different. I was smart. Yep. I thought, I'm just going to put it straight over the bunker, yeah. play it safe. Yes. And they played the two shots next to each other. And he said, that was the difference in the tournament right. this year. And then this year he goes back and does the exact same thing again. That's what we're saying. Couldn't yeah. believe it, Marco, when you did that. You know, Just after, couldn't believe it. After he put the green jacket on Danny Willett, after he did his media conference, they put a lot of microphones in front of him mm. in the car park. You know, it, it, the tournament, you know, it was almost darkness. Yep. And he told us all this stuff. And we knew about it. And we know about it. For him to admit that he was trying to fade his eight iron 150 yards and cozy it up next to the pin with a two-shot lead, you know, you got the two par fives coming up. Yep. It flies in the face of Masters, Masters, I don't know, Masters Nouse. Yep. Beautiful word. It flies in the face of 50 years of Masters Nouse with people in that situation. Yep. Everyone else has just looked at the left hand, like straight over the rake in the bunker is the term. Yeah. <laughs> Go straight over the rake in that front trap. Yeah. Just hit it there. He, he said that he hit his draw pretty much well. Like it's easy to look back. Yeah. It's easy to say. But it, it is staggering. How long's, sorry. How long is they going to live with him for, do you reckon? Forever. Forever? Do you reckon he, how, how long until he gets over it? He, he's going to have to win it again for him to get over it, isn't he, next yep. year? He's got to win it again. Yeah. And because... You know, we, we spoke... We spoke to uh, a guy called John Huggin last week. We might even hear from John. Yep. John Huggin said that um, he might he might um, he might never win again, based on his technique. Now, no one's ever questioned the technique. In fact, everybody's been looking for the good stuff in his yeah. technique for a long time. He's got this bent arm going through um, the impact position. His footwork leaves a lot to be desired. They're, they're the two holes that I pick in his technique. Very hard to because when he's on, this kid is as good yeah. as anybody we've ever seen. But you know what? When when uh, Greg Norman didn't quite win the Masters in 1986, you know what everyone was saying? Oh, he's so good, he'll win one. Yeah. There has not, been a lot of people not easy. in that situation. <laughs> you know, oh, he'll be right, he'll win one. Well, will he? Will he win one? Well, I don't know. I mean, yes, we're all saying the same stuff about Jordan. Yes, he should. When you look at the kid, he's played in three Masters. He's finished second, first, and second with two horrendous chokes yep. basically thrown in. Mm-hmm. Mate, I'm telling you, he will look back at these days. The only the only way he's going to smile again at this joint, <laughs> internally, externally, the whole schmear, is if he puts another green jacket on. Yeah. Gee, he looked flat when he was putting that jacket on. Well, as you he? would. As you would. I mean, you know what it's like. Look at his eyes. was just, oh, Mate, what have I done? You know what? He would have looked at Ernie Els as a seven putt yeah. on the first. <laughs> he would have looked at that and probably gone, wow, like the rest of the world did. Yep. Well, he probably knows after the tournament the whole world's looking at that fat chunk that he hit into the pond at 12. I mean, that, that's probably got just as many views as Ernie's seven putt. Yep. So it gets around pretty quick and that will hurt. That'll sting him. The Australian journalist Patrick Smith, I reckon, put it best, Marco, for his, uh, well, it was his third shot. Yep. He could have had an excavator and wouldn't have dug a hole that big. Yep. For That's how accurate. fat he got it. That's, accurate. That's he, a slow-mo shot of him hitting that ball. 
I tell you what, it made me feel better about my round yeah. during the week when I got a few fat ones. I don't think Jordan Spieth would have ever hit a shot that fat in yeah. his whole life. It didn't even it hit the front of the water, Mark. No. <laughs> it didn't even like, no. get the back edge of the water. Never. He would never have done it. But here's the thing with that. There, there's a drop zone. Now, the reason, if there was a red line in front of that green, you could actually, um, where his ball went in, because it crossed, it crossed the it crossed, hazard line. Yes. So if that line was red, yep. he, can move, he can go across the water mm-hmm. and drop it no nearer the hole within two club lengths. Yep. Chip it on. Easy chip from that. But it's a yellow line. Yes. So the yellow line is just called a water hazard. The red line is called a lateral water hazard. The yellow line, you have to put the hazard in, in between you and the hole mm-hmm. when you drop it. So there is actually a drop zone there, but the drop zone is a little bit close, and most players want to go back a little bit further in that situation because they want the ball to be able to stop reasonably quickly. Yes. In fact, Jordan said you know, in the interview that he wanted the ball to actually pretty much finish where it landed. So if you want that to happen at the 12th, you have to go back a long way. But yep. the further back you go, Risky. the bigger the downslope is. <laughs> and when you're hitting off a downslope, it actually makes the ball come out lower, one. But two, because you don't practice off downslopes very often, you can't be as exact. And that is one hole where you need to be exact. Exact. Otherwise, yep. you're in the water in the front or you're in the back, over the back. You know, The year before in... Um, uh, the first year that he played, he actually got up and down. So he hit in the water, then got up and down mm-hmm. and made a four. Yep. Um, that We haven't seen too many people do that in his situation. That's what kind of made his legend grow a little bit yep. was the fact that he did that and then won the next year. But, you know, it's a it's a, it's a a chip shot when that pin is back right that you just don't want to have. It's no. a, a pitch, I should say. It's a pitch that you don't want to have. And he went back as far as he could, but... There's no, there's, because of the, the slope of the terrain of the 12th hole, there's no real spot when the pin's on the right-hand side yep. where you can make the ball stop where it lands. Don't go at that pin, Jules. Don't do it. Jules, if you ever find yourself two shots <laughs> no, in well, front that, that will on happen, the 12th so tee at Augusta <laughs> in a Masters, I'm promise not, me I'm, you won't go at the pin. Mate, I'll be hitting a three-iron into the hill, into the bunker. <laughs> promise me you won't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll promise you. Hey, I found an interesting reading during yeah. the week that uh, we know how poor Jordan Spieth's driver was. He yeah. actually cracked it on the Wednesday, the cracked a face of, his, of his driver that he'd been using. Oh, I didn't he was know using that. a reserve driver throughout the week. You reckon you might just get another one after this week? Yeah, I reckon uh, <laughs> I reckon they have a bit. No, like, it's amazing. Yeah. Have you ever been inside the uh, tour? You wouldn't have. No. The tour vans are unbelievable. The yeah. tour vans that turn up, they just drive to every tournament across yeah. America. I think some of the companies have got three yeah. tour vans. <laughs> and they just pretty much park themselves you know, a week in advance in the car park but you know at Augusta they're all there every single one of them and you get in there and not only do they have your shaft the one your shaft is labelled Julian Bayer your 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 specs are on every one of your shafts in that caravan Julian Bayard extra stiff tipped one and a half inches Mm -hmm. then the, they weigh every shaft, so they are perfectly like within one gram yeah. tolerance. Then they weigh every one of your grips that you love and yep. that you've been using since you were fourteen years That's old. Right. All those grips have got Julian Bayard on it, you know, just in Texas, and they are all perfectly weighed out. <laughs> if he cracked his club on the Wednesday, uh, the the club that would come back would be identical in yep. weight, in look. Everything the same, but I'm telling you, they just they all feel different. Yeah, they every single one of them feels different. Would have been in his head. Yep, every single one of them feel different. So I mean, it's it's hard to get exactly the same feel from every club. Just uh, 
you know, the tolerance, like I said, all the weights are about right, but the tolerance in the graphite, in the steel, you just, you know, you can't get that. So what happens normally is they just try out about 15. They just get 15 <laughs> so made up feels good. and you try and, you know, the one, the couple one, the one where you made a few good swings, because yeah. they all go, if you make a good swing, they all go good. Yeah. <laughs> but they're never quite the same. We've got to get to a break, Marco. Uh, Can we talk about Danny Willett? Let's talk about the winner. Yeah. After this, this is the clubhouse around Australia. Mark Allen's here. My name's Julian Bard, the winner of the Masters. We've gone 15 minutes into the show. We'll talk about him right after this. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the clubhouse. You certainly are across Australia. This is the clubhouse. Mark Allen is here. My name's Julian Bayard, talking all things golf on this week after the Masters. And the man who... Well, he was wearing the green jacket after Jordan Spieth put it on his shoulders pretty reluctantly, you'd have to say, <laughs> on Sunday night. His name is Danny Willett, uh, an extraordinary performance to finish at five under, one by three shots over Lee Westwood and Jordan Spieth. Now, Marco, before you tell us a little second bit about came, him, Second place was two under par. Mm, it's remarkable. Goes off what you said off the top of the show. Wow. Right on. Now... Is Danny Willett going to be forever remembered as a great Masters winner, or is he going to be remembered as the bloke who won the year Jordan Spieth choked? Uh, no, that's a really good question. So, Nick Feldo, I'm going to use him yep. point in case. He's won three Masters. Mm-hmm. The first time he won the Masters, Scott Hoke missed a two-and-a-half-foot putt to win the Masters. I reckon it was actually a two-footer. Yeah. So he missed that putt. Nick Feldo wins. He's Masters champion. The next year, very next year, Raymond Floyd hit a ball into the 11th pond. Nick Faldo just makes another... So two people in a row basically fall on their head Mm -hmm. and he wins. You know the last Masters he won, Nick Faldo? 1996. Greg Norman had a six-shot lead and did what he did. So Nick Faldo is remembered as a three-time Masters champion. But you can't really say that he won. No. Really, truly won. I mean, he shot 67 and 96. So he's remembered, though, as a three-time Masters champ. Yep. So the question, you, the question you're asking has relevance. Now, if Danny Willett wins another major, I think we forget about what George Spieth too. did. Like what we have with Faldo. Because you, yep. you don't instantly think with Faldo, oh, he won three times because other people stuffed up. No, you don't. You think he's a three-time champ. Because he's won six majors in total. Yeah. But if Danny Willett doesn't do much else for the rest of his life... And is just stuck yeah. with the one Masters. We will always remember Denny Willett's victory for what Jordan Spieth did. If he goes and wins the US Open mm-hmm. in June, no worries. No, it'll, it'll fade off into the distance. That's, that's just the way sport works. How about I'm just having a look at Denny Willett's um, his tournament? Yep. Like we like you said before, 67 the last day without a bogey. On Saturday of the tournament, coming into the back nine, he's bogeyed 13 and bogeyed 15. For the 72. Yep. Two sixes on the par fives on Saturday. He ended up, like he shot, he shot 72 and he sandwiched the birdie in between them. So his bounce back was was, was yeah. half decent. But bogey, bogey, two sixes on the Saturday. You know, that's unusual. And then if you bring up his stats, I'll bring up his stats and just have a quick look yeah. at his stats for the week. So he had um, 13 birdies for the week. Not many. Mm-hmm. Uh you look at his greens hitting regulation, 67% on a week where hitting greens was very yeah. difficult. The field average is in the 59s. So, you know, he's exceptional there, 10% higher than everybody else. Uh, fairways hit 68%, so just a little bit more, but mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of yeah, an irrelevant stat. Just... They're kind of an irrelevant stat. Um, 
He's driving distance. You're talking about you know getting pumped up on the last day. <laughs> Round one, two seventy six yards, not yep. many. Round two, really cold day, two hundred fifty eight yards. Yep. Round three was warming up to two hundred seventy four yards. Round four, yeah. driving distance, three hundred and five yards. He's picked up thirty yards. 30. <laughs> picked up thirty yards. Yeah, you know when. When things, things are, are heating going. up. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Sand saves didn't get up there once from the bunkers all really? week. It's because the, the greens are very, very hard, very, very windy. Um, putting is exceptional, of course, um, much better than the, than the field for the entire week. How about this for the longest drive for the week? His longest drive for the week was 324 yards. That was in the fourth round when, mm-hmm. he, was, when he was absolutely pumped. The longest drives for the week, Adam Scott, 350 yards, was mm-hmm. the longest drive for the week. Jason Day was the third longest drive for the week, 245 yards. How about this is an interesting one. Jordan Spieth, a bloke who we say doesn't hit the ball very far. He had the second longest drive of the week, really? 348 yards. Wow. That's interesting. Mm. So here we are. I mean, it just shows you It just shows you what happens when you are in, in the tournament. Yep. I mean, ordinarily, I mean, Adam Scott, Jason Day, they're out of they're out of the yeah. event. Adam Scott's just having a crack. Adam Scott's just you know <laughs> he's he's relaxed. Yeah. But uh, you've got you've got our winner, Denny Willett, three hundred and twenty four yards, up thirty mm. on the last day, uh, up thirty yards, and Jordan Spieth. Now I should go in and see what he's averaging for the week. But three hundred and forty eight yards. It just shows you. You know when they talk about players being pumped up in a situation yeah. and what it does to your body, well, that they are—that's that's, the difference, isn't it? That is a huge difference in how far any of these guys have been hitting it for the entire week. Yep. Let me just bring up Spieth. I'll bring up Spieth and have a look at his stats and just see what his driving distance was for the week as well. All right, look, how about this? Two sixty-two, two seventy-six, two sixty-three. So basically, two hundred seventy yards for rounds one, two, and three. Get into contention round four. 310 what? yards. <laughs> now, you know, I know I, I'm, I'm not across all the facts, but just from the outside looking in, that tells me that if you're pumped up on the last day, away you go. Yeah. Away you go. So, look, Jordan Spieth clearly affected with the adrenaline. Danny Willett affected with the adrenaline. Um, but Danny Willett, you know, his ability, his ability... Um, to keep on making good swings under pressure on that last day was was pretty special because yeah. normally normally when these European tour players, no matter how good they are, and he was number twelve in the whole world before the tournament started, even though he won enough money the previous year to be a part of the US tour, he decided not to. No, he's, he didn't. He's a, he's a European yeah. tour player. Yep. Those types don't normally play well. Don't normally. Yeah. If we look at history, they don't normally play well. So you know, before the tournament when he was eighty to one, all those factors you put them together. Now, obviously, now you look back and go, wow, how, how far? That was $81 is just massive overs. Yep. But, um, you know, we just don't expect European players who are comfortable in Europe to come across to, you know, the glitz yep. of the Masters right. and perform. But he, he clearly has, and he's done it in a way which makes us all think that um, we've missed someone special uh, in the lead-up to the tournament. Loved the uh, pin placement on the 16th, yep. Marco. Yeah, Three hole-in-ones on year. the final day. Yeah, every single year is fantastic. You can hole-in-one about five different ways. Yep. It's a bit like the par three tournament. Yeah. You know, we had six <laughs> We had six hole-in-ones in the par three tournament, I reckon, and we had three during the week, so nine hole-in-ones for the week 
at Augusta. Yep. And, you know, they've got this amazing ability to be able to funnel balls down <laughs> to this one spot. And they do it in the par three comp, which is fantastic. Yeah, just, just pitching into the bank and going, oh, oh yeah, that'll just, do. Yep. <laughs> I reckon they shape the greens yeah. so it actually happens. It may, they, clearly they do. Uh, and 16 is another one. Yeah, with If you are game enough to hit it up a little bit, every chance of it rolling down mm-hmm. and going pretty close to the hole, which is fantastic. How many hole-in-ones have you had, Marco? I've had 11. 11? Yeah. 11? 11 hole-in-ones, yeah. Gary Player, hole-in-one. Yeah. That's his 31st hole-in-one for Gaz. Yeah. Played a lot of golf, though, Gaz. You ever um, ricocheted off another bloke's ball? Never <laughs> did that. How about that for Louis Oosthausen on the last day? Was extraordinary. Yeah, the funny thing, though. I reckon it was going in anyway. It was going in anyway. <laughs> that's right. It was going in anyway. So... When it when I saw it happen, I thought, "Wow, that's unlucky." I Luke, thought they're showing, and then of course it goes in. The ball was side spinning actually, yeah. and got it back online. Some commentary, I think Luke Elvey, the Australian commentator, was commentating yeah. uh, one of the channels over there. It wasn't the one we were getting, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, he was saying, "Oh, don't hit the ball! Don't hit the ball! Oh no, it's hit the ball! Oh no, it's a chance again!" And then <laughs> it goes back in. He thought it was ruined when it ricocheted. Yeah, but, I, I reckon a lot of people did. I yeah. was one of them. I, I didn't think it was going anywhere. Yeah, once it hit the ball, I thought, "Well, that's it." Yeah. Then it spun back on the line. But look, the 16th and the theatre mm. of Augusta, you know, it's not lost on anybody. I mean, I think the the only tournament with as much theatre on the back nine is the Players' Championship. Now, we've got that next month in May. Mm-hmm. Now, we're talking about the Island Green, yes. um, the 18th hole with all the water down the left, and also the 16th, you know. Oh, oh, we've played there. We've we've taken people there before with the uh, chasingbirdies.com.au tour. And we, we you get on the first tee, and it's a beautiful place. But your mind goes straight to 17. <laughs> and for the whole day, you are waiting <laughs> yep. for that. And I reckon it would be exactly the same uh, when you get to play Augusta. Yeah. You know, you stand on that first tee. You know you're at a beautiful place. You know the golf course is special. And you know you're really lucky to be there. Yep. But you couldn't help but think about 12, 13, 15, 16. You, know, you, you couldn't help but think about those holes that you've watched on TV your whole life. And you, it would just your round would just build. Yeah. To that, loved a couple of people too replicating the famous Tiger Woods chip as well. Yeah, sixteen. Yeah, yeah that's which good. Was nice. That's good. Yeah, so. one of the great things they do at Augusta is that uh, in all the practice rounds they put little flags where the famous shots have been hit. Yeah, I, I did know that. Yeah, yeah. So for instance, you know, there's there's always a little flag where Tiger Woods yep. hit that pitch from. Mm-hmm. People just see it with the cameras milling around uh, in the practice days, uh, having a look at that, and then. Um, on uh, 13, where Phil Mickelson hit his famous one when he was up against in the pine straw mm-hmm. uh, and hit the six Bubbers. iron, the four feet. Bubba's hook shot. Yep. There's another one there. I did see someone tweet this week saying, do you reckon they'll put two out on um, for Jordan Spieth <laughs> for Jordan this Spieth. week? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so, dude. I think they're going to leave that one alone. Yep. Um, yeah, but uh, it's a shame. You know, it would always be nice to have that one shot where there could be a flag. Yeah, but uh, Danny Willett, yeah. you know, he was just too solid this week. He, he was. was just too solid uh, and did it easy. Just quickly end. before we get to a break, yeah, uh, the Aussies this week. What'd you make of Jason Day's tournament? Just couldn't quite get going ever, could he? No, no, I don't know what was going on there. He's, he might have peaked a little bit early. The start was so good. Gee, he was looking good in that front nine on Thursday. Yeah, that front nine. Yeah, you know, like you said, the front nine on Thursday when he shot thirty-one. He was playing with Ernie Els. Yeah. So he had to watch, you know, the yeah. first hole of the tournament, he watched Ernie Els. Six putt. Six putt from two feet. <laughs> seven putt the hole. He had yeah. seven putts on the hole, six putt from two feet. He had to watch that and then shot 31. I reckon that was pretty incredible. Yeah. But it would have played. I mean, there would have been, mm. as a as a golfer, you would have felt really awkward 
watching a great, yeah. you know, a four-time major winner like Ernie Els play like that. You ever done that? No, I've had four putts as many putts <laughs> as I've had in a professional event. But no, and you know, when you, you know, it's really sad. We've, we've seen people blow up before yeah. and almost hit moving balls, you mm. know, like yeah. John Daly's done that. He got a massive fine down here yes. in Australia when he did that and then threw his putter into the uh, into the lake at Coolum. Um but what Ernie Els was doing, you know, when you see the when you see the actual close up of what was going on, it's just it's a yip. Yep. There's no coming back from that. So I think next time we see Ernie play, he'll have the claw going because yeah. I think the, I think the claw is a real is a way to play. Yeah, yeah. I thought just oh, I was fiddling around with it the other day. I saw Justin Rose going with it. It's a, it's a great way to putt. I tried it the other day. How'd you go? <laughs> no good. No good. Yeah. But my, but regular putting is no good either. So it might just be that. Well, you got to. Tra- oh, yeah, I better have a look at your technique. <laughs> yeah. You've actually got to practice it. But I think because I'm a believer that you know you should really hold the putt pretty lightly anyway. Yep. But when you hold it with the left hand and then you have the right hand as a claw, um, you're forced to follow the putter's momentum. Mm which is interesting, and I think that really helps. I think you actually do release the putter better because you can't control the putter with two hands. The putter actually releases by itself, which is what we're all trying to do. So I think it, the claw certainly has that going for it. Yep. It's a legitimate technique. Now. It is. It's not, it's not, we're seeing it so often. It's not, it's not a hocus-pocus thing anymore. Yep. It is a legitimate way to hold a golf and club. And the reverse handy Oh, everyone's swap. doing that, mate. Jeepers. Everybody's. Yeah, everybody. Every second person you watch at the Masters yeah. is putting like that. Yeah, there's hardly a, a normal grip. <laughs> yeah, no one's putting normally. In fact, if you've got a normal grip, you might be the odd man out Maybe these days. Maybe that's a different way to putt now. It's a standard grip. <laughs> oh, Jason, Jason still does. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was surprised. Different. I was surprised to see it's Justin Rose go to the claw. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to get to a break. Good. Uh, who are we hearing from John next? Huggan. Yeah, we're hearing Tell from John Huggan. Tell us a bit Huggan. about him. International golf journalist, goes to all the big tournaments, mm-hmm. not, afraid, not afraid to put up his hand and go uh, whack Tiger Woods, for instance, yep. at press conferences. He was at Augusta last week, uh, and of course, uh, the man's from Scotland, so we're going to get a nice, nice UK accent. view <laughs> on the Masters and the winner, Danny Willett. That's coming up right after this. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. You are across Australia. This is the Clubhouse. Mark Allen and Julian Bayard are with you, reviewing all things Masters in what was a fascinating week in golf. And Marco, uh, throughout the week, you had a chat on your own radio show to one of the best golfing journalists in the land. Yeah, his name's John Huggan, uh, myself and uh, an Irishman, uh, Rory Doran. So plenty of accents here. You can have an Irish <laughs> accent, a Scottish one, and myself. But uh, looking for his take on uh, Masters Week, and it's normally a good one, uh, we got up John Huggan um, on Melbourne Radio. So let's have a listen. What did you make of the event, uh, John? I mean, we watched it back here in the first three days. We, you know, it was a bit ho hum uh, as far as all the scores were going. We watched, saw Spieth sixty six the first day, and then you know the course was. Well, I'm not going to say it was tricked up, although some people will say it's tricked up. But I don't know. It wasn't doing much to make us watch the next day until you know probably about uh, three hours ago in that tournament. How did you see it? And how's uh, how's the UK journo's going over there with the Danny Willett winning? Well, as you say, uh, I think America will focus more on, on Jordan Spieth's loss than Danny Willett's win, but uh, that's a little bit different here, as you can imagine. I think he got quite a reception, Danny did, uh, when he came back to the UK yesterday, arrived at Manchester Airport, a uh, large crowd of photographers, so uh, well-deserved, I thought. Um, but you're right, the, the Thursday, Friday, I think I'm right in saying there was one round under 70, it was a bit kind of oh hum. Uh, the weather didn't help, to be honest. The, the wind it was a really cold wind, actually, very cold for Augusta. 
uh, and into the wind on the first hole, and which means 13 and 15 also played into the wind. So I don't think we saw many birdies and eagles, or as many as we normally do at those holes. So but there is, you're right, again, there, there's an evil genius to the way the, the Masters people manipulate the winning score or manipulate the course, certainly on the final day. It was set up to, to give us low scores and potential for excitement as usual, and that's certainly what we got from uh, from the turn onwards. Certainly, but that's again courtesy of Mr. Spieth. I think we should thank him for that. I was just going to say, John. Do you think? Uh, do you think that was he was he's a he's a victim of his own success last year? It was a, it was after making I think it was a record number of birdies for a for a winner last year. Is that is that why the uh, obviously Mother Nature had a had a had a large deal to play on in the, the 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 cooler wind there? But do you think they've they've really kind of firmed the greens up and and made it a little bit trickier after he uh, after he he went he had a bit of a a week out last last year eighteen under last year yeah wow. Yeah, well, I think they, they, they clearly decided that 18 under wasn't going to win. Um, <laughs> and I think the weather only helped them in that aim. But, um, but yeah, having said that, I mean, Spieth, uh, you should never forget, Spieth made seven birdies in his last round. I mean, he shot 73, but uh, seven birdies is no uh, no mean feat. He didn't play badly all day by any means. It was in fact, like- he, was, he was one under par for... The six holes after the seven at the par three, so literally one yeah, hole, one have... holes cost him. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, I said it's, it's literally that one hole, that kind of five ten minute kind of wipeout that he's had. That that that's really cost him. Yes, absolutely. I mean, he, it was one. You know, the poor. It was a very poor tee shot, and I think his, his mind was a bit scrambled on the on the second one because he almost shot of the lake with a or the creek or the burn or whatever you want to call it with his second attempt. And he actually did well, I think, to shoot to make a seven in the end. I mean, he got up and down at the bunker, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was, um, it was you know forty minutes of you know chaos as far as he was concerned with the two fives at ten and eleven, which are not you know disastrous as the pretty tough holes, but the seven at twelve was was clearly uh, a complete nightmare for him, and you could tell by the the way he was you know at the end. I mean, he was clearly devastated, and he. You could see that again, even at the presentation, um, which I think I mean, he's had a fair bit of criticism over here, over the way he was towards Danny at the end. But I think, you know, I think at 22 years of age, I think he handled it pretty well. I mean, it was a fairly devastating blow to take. And I have no doubt that he's going to win more of these things anyway. I don't think it'll be, you know, a career ending you know, defeat for him. John, uh, there's two school of thought for this bloke at the moment. And I'm talking about Jordan Spieth. I want to talk about Danny Willett and the tick, but <clears throat> some people are saying that he's a choker because he's uh, had the Masters in his back pocket twice and, and lost it twice. Other people are saying he's a genius because he's 22 years old. Uh, I think his last five majors, he's gone win-win, um, missed the playoff by a shot, came second to Jason Day and then came second. So he's going pretty well. Uh, and he's only three masters. He's gone second, first, and second. Um, I reckon Choker's tough, although you can't deny what happened. You know, he has failed under the pressure and the and the and the harsh focus that this tournament brings into the world. Where do you sit, John? Where do you sit? Well, I, I think Jordan Spieth has got has got great skills. But I'm not a huge fan of his technique, and I think his technique finds him out at times. And I think, as you know, under pressure in a tournament, your technique's going to get you first. And to be honest, I don't think he's played that much differently 
so far this year than he did last year. He, he hits bad shots. And last year, he spent most of his time holding the 12-foot putt for par mm. after the bad shot. I mean, he didn't often hit two bad shots in a row. But he did that at the 12th uh, this year. Also, don't forget that double bogey at the 17th on the last round at Chambers Bay last year and got yeah. away with it because of Justin Johnson screwing up on 18. But, I mean, I think, uh, as I say, I'm a big fan of his uh, his mental strength. I'm a big fan of the skills he has, especially from 100 yards in. But I do have question marks over his technique, and I think his technique leads to the bad shots and leads to, you know, eventually, luck isn't always going to be with you, and luck certainly wasn't with him on Sunday. John, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Um... The Ryder Cup's getting more and more interesting as we move along. Uh, now with Danny Willett and, and certainly the rankings of the European players, I cannot wait for that uh, towards the end of the year. Thanks again, mate. No problem, anything. There he is, Marco, on Chasing Birdies on SEN during the week. Good on you. No, he's a good man, John Huggan, and uh, comes down, like I said, he's an international golf journalist, so he comes down for our events, covers the European Tour, gets across to all the majors. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a clever guy, and he's a, got, always got a unique style and take on uh, what's happening in the world of golf. Great to hear from him. you got a masterclass up next? Mate, I've got probably the best masterclass wow. ever coming up wow. next. Wow. <laughs> Stay tuned for that on the Clubhouse. Marco's Masterclass. Yeah, you're with the Clubhouse across Australia. Mark Allen's here. My name's Julian Bayard, and we do it all for mm. Club Mandalay Golf Course. It's Melbourne's newest golfing experience. It's in the north, uh, clubmandalay.com.au, just up the Hume Highway. So if you're uh, looking for a new place to play, golf in Melbourne. It is magnificent. A sensational course. Clubmandalay.com.au Green fees available seven days a week. Marco's Masterclass, I'll tell you right now, uh, listen to these tips because they do you a world of good and I can tell you that from experience. Right, okay? Jules, listen up, yes. please, because this one will be affecting you, I imagine. Now, a lot of the time when you teach people things in the game of golf, you have to find new ways of explaining it. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the last month or so, we've been talking about uh, getting your your, your, your sternum and your chest and your rib cage actually turning because as soon as people get under pressure, they tend not to move as much. Now, a different way of teaching this, and this is for chipping, putting, for hitting, a different way of teaching it is not using your arms in the takeaway. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting way to think of it because if you do not feel like you're using arms when you take the putter away, when you take the chipper away, when you take uh, the, 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 the club away in your full swing, you will actually develop a motion that is desirable in the game. If you use your arms to start the golf swing, more often than not, your arms go straight past the body yep. and then you're playing catch up. You know, you're chasing your tail from that point onwards. So this time today, if you if you know if you're not happy with your game, if you want to try and improve, you want to do something that is a fundamental of golf, that is keeping your arms in front of your body while you swing. So to to really enhance this and to get you going Try not to use your arms in the takeaway. Your arms will move at some stage. Yes. Normally, that happens when you're cocking your wrists. Mm-hmm. So when I putt these days, for instance, I feel like I'm putting without using my arms. My body yep. is actually doing most of the turning. So it's not shoulders. It's not just you know your, your, your it's your whole body. So where in your body you're feeling it, Marco? That well, first it, it, it'll be different for everybody, Jules. That, that's actually a very good question to ask. It'll be different for everybody. Mm-hmm. But if you're using your arms independently of your body when you putt you're in all kinds of trouble before you start. So try and putt without using your arms. Try and chip without starting with your arms. And definitely, 100%, particularly people who are getting a little bit older, try and start your backswing on a full shot without using your arms. You're actually going to be forced 
So use that rib cage. Use your shoulders a little bit more. Your arms will stay in front of your body because they're not moving, mm-hmm. and you will be in a much better position to be a consistent, repetitive golfer. Don't, um, don't, can, I, can I underline on radio? Consistent, a consistent, repetitive, repetitive golfer. golfer. Because what you're trying to do in golf, you know what you're trying to do? Bore yourself to death. That's it. Real you just want to do the same play. stuff over and over and over. Down the middle. The more, the more boring you can make golf, yeah. the more exciting your scorecard becomes. Imagine if you just tuned in and heard that last little bit. The more boring you can make your golf, the yeah, better you Yeah, I'll be play. listening to that program this week. <laughs> what an absolute beauty. Anyway, try and start your shots. Yes. Whether it's a putt, a chip, or even a full swing, Think try about and it. start them without using your arms. There's a tip for you around this weekend. There's a tip for you, Jules. I like it. What's the handicap at the moment? Uh, I'm out to 10. I've gone out. I don't know. No well, that's good. it, mate. I'm not like, sure you know, we could do the show. You know what, though? Anymore. You know what, though? The last what? few rounds, good signs. Yes. Good signs. The, uh, no, the weight good. on the toes, which you helped me with the right. last week. Yeah. Um, so you might have taken a step backwards to go I've two forwards. I've done a Damien Hardwick. Right, taken good. half a step back. That's good. <laughs> it happens to everyone, mate. It happens to everyone. Yeah. I'm hoping to ra- rein it in a little bit. No, you'll but be right. You'll be right. I want you down to six. Good for points, though. We're actually going to forecast. I want you down to six at some stage. Six is easy. Yeah. You can get to six. That's just breaking 80, you know. Three or four times out of five. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, you can do it, Jules. Trust me. Weekly tally. Trust me. Trust me. Get that going and get the claw going, and away you go. Love it, Marco. Great to have your company today. Catch you next time, buddy. Certainly will. This has been the Clubhouse right across Australia.